0: All right. Well, welcome to the Landco podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about uh, Lake audits with Greg Grimes of Georgia. Uh, thanks for joining us.
1: Welcome to the Landco podcast, an analytical behind the scenes look into land investing and land ownership, covering marketing conditions, current inventory, and updates on all relevant land ownership issues here in Illinois. Mixed in with some timely hunting and fishing reports.
0: Cool, so um, Greg, and I, for all my listeners, I've worked with Greg, we know each other, but for uh, and he's worked with Ryan, he's worked with a ton of our clients, but for the, the people that don't know you, give us a brief kind of rundown on your bio and education and all that stuff.
1: Yeah, no problem, I uh, kind of hate talking about myself, but you know, got to do that sometimes I guess. Um, started in the business in 93, got a master's degree and became full-time in 98 and really started taking off in the, you know, the early 2000s. But, you know, we worked for 12 states last year, uh, predominantly still in the southeast, predominantly still in Georgia. But, you know, I love getting out traveling. You know, we we have no problem uh, hopping on a plane and and helping anybody as long as they have the desire to do things right. But also the president-elect for the Society of Lake Management Professionals. So, you know, we've been around a while. We try to uh, be on the cutting edge of things and, uh, you know, Followed up with science and see what's done right, and uh, just love uh, helping people grow uh, some big
0: fish. Cool, cool, and I and I can uh, speak for that because our clients here and a lot of the guys that the lakes that he manages, the results have been uh, as long as they follow his plan, which we'll get into in a little bit. But as long as that happens, the results have been uh, <laughs> have been incredible. But uh, to, on this episode, I want to talk about lake audits because I've seen one or I've seen several that you've done, and they're really really cool to me, and it kind of caught me off guard because I didn't. It just wasn't what I expected. Like I understand it now, but I think it'd be cool to to tell our listeners about. So, um run through just in general, then we'll get into detail a little a little later, what a lake audit is and like why why somebody would need one. And I understand here before we do this that they're gonna be different based on people's goals, which we covered in a previous podcast. But let's just assume that like, you know, most people in Illinois and Georgia probably for that matter, you know, they're after trophy bass. So This theory will apply to any goal, but let's assume that the goal in place is to grow a trophy bass.
1: Okay, perfect. Yeah, so what what we mean by the term lake audit, and and you could also synonymous with electrofishing or fish survey, but but it's more than just the electrofishing. So the kind of not as fun stuff is, you know, water quality, weed and algae identification, making sure the outlet structure is working. Then we look at fish habitat, look at some depths. Um, Try to get a good idea of of your goals while we're there, too. So everyone has a little different set of goals like you just mentioned. And, you know, without knowing the goals, we don't know what to propose uh, moving forward. So we gather all that, but the bulk of the work is actually using an electrofishing boat, uh, which some people don't quite get what that means. Some people think you drop a boat and every fish in the lake comes floating up. I kind of wish it was that way, Uh, but it's a scientific sampling tool. Uh, It has its limitations. If uh, fish are down really deep, uh, you may not get some of those. There's some species like walleye are a little bit tougher uh, to get up because they stay so deep. Um, so we time it. Usually it's a spring and fall kind of thing. Uh, when fish are up shallower, we can do it at night in the summer. Um, but we're trying to get an assessment of what's going on in the lake. Um, you can get a pretty good assessment if you go fishing and you know what you're looking for. Uh, we've had clients say, well, I, just, I want to get a boat. Well, they're, they're pricey. Uh, for one, but you've got to be able to interpret that data. And that's really the key, John, is um, knowing what you're looking for and understanding how that relates to your goals.
0: Well, and I want to get into that in a second because, you know, our our group kind of does know the stuff, but it's a different level between us and, you know, you and and guys in your field. So I'm with you there, but so back up one second, like why would somebody need one? Because I can, I, I understand it now, this is for the podcast, but why would someone right. who fishes every day in their lake uh thinks they understand it you know why do they need an audit?
1: yeah, so they need they need the audit and then they need the follow up report as well and that's you know we're we're pretty proud of the reports we've we've narrowed it down and really dialed it in over the years and figured out you know that's what you're really getting you're getting the survey, but you're getting that report that piece of paper is going to tell you what you need to do to achieve your goals, so you need it because. Sometimes people are right. I mean, they really are. Uh, I give people credit. Um, They think, okay, we got too many bass. They figured that part out. What they haven't figured out is which bass to remove, how many bass to remove. Uh, Some people aren't even at that level. Like, why would I remove a bass when I'm trying to catch trophy bass? Well, you have to take a certain number of bass out to free up enough food so that the other bass can grow. Um, A lot of times that's a dominant predator. Now, if you have pike or musky or something they're going to be the dominant predator but usually that's the dominant predator going to take over so why you need it is to get a really good handle on what's going on in the lake and then the report really dial in specifically for your goals so just one scenario if you're wanting to grow monster-sized bluegill you may want to have it a little bit bass crowded so there's a lot of smaller bass which then limit the bluegill and then the bluegill get huge Yep. Okay. But all kind of goes back to the goals and understanding what's there a hundred percent and really the details. I mean, it's the the details of what separate a good fishery from an excellent fishery. And that's what we're trying to do for our clients.
0: Cool. And and I, I get that. Um, it sort of takes the, at least for me, it takes the emotion out of it. And I, I'm sure a lot of people, a lot of times people do get it right. Like everyone in Illinois knows they have too many bass in their lake. At least the good clients understand it. But, and I knew that on my lake but I didn't know that our fertility was bad. Like I didn't know that our structure was lacking. I didn't, there are certain things that, you know, you think you can get a pretty good handle on some of this stuff because you fish a lot, which I don't anymore, but PewDiePie or somebody that does, you think you, you understand it. And it's just, at least for us, it takes the emotions out of it. And it's like black and white data, which, which I love. So for us, you you know,
1: that, you know, the type, I mean, you, you can read on the internet and, you know, I say it's too many cooks in the kitchen, but you know, you can read and, one, one side will say one thing that's totally different than another side. Uh, and what you just hit on is, and you've got to be careful, but most people would never fertilize lakes in the Midwest, and rightfully so. They're very fertile ground, and you can cause problems. But um, where you are specifically, John, we worked on some of your properties before, you've got strip mine ground. Um, they're 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 very infertile. Yeah. So we would fertilize those to actually increase the productivity. So that's the, that's the kind of detail I'm talking about that you you just don't want to read something on the internet and just follow that plan because it may not apply to that body of water.
0: Got it. Makes sense to me. So in a second, I want to talk about what you do with that information, but uh, you briefly touched on it. Like how do you actually conduct the audit? Like you said, you get your, your shocking boat out there, but what roll through that process of you pull up to the property, then what?
1: Yeah, so, so we, we run the, check the water quality, and while we're out on the water, we're checking the depths. We're swing over, take a look at the dam, but the bulk of the time is spent actually shocking the fish, which you have, there's different array types, but you have an array, uh, an anode uh, out in the water and the bottom of the boat is actually the cathode. So fish get between there. I usually say it's about the size of a truck hood uh, field where you're conducting electrical currents. Uh, again, in the Midwest, Wonderful connectivity, sometimes actually too high, which makes it tough to shock fish. In the southeast, I'm so jealous when I travel up there because we have very low connectivity. You can't even get fish sometimes. It's very frustrating. Um, you'll get fish, but just not the numbers you may want to see. Um, but so we, we're actually shocking those up. We dip them up. We put them in the boat. Um, they're shocked very short period of time. Um, and then we'll stop when we get a big tub full of fish, uh, weigh, measure, count, uh, put them back unless there's something that's in abundance. Uh, and we'll take those out if you need to do that while we're actually doing the survey. Um, and then, you know, write the report up based on the data that we collected that day.
0: Okay, perfect transition. Let's talk about that. Um, and I will say about the lake audit, I'm with you. I thought uh, when I heard about lake shocking, I assumed to just like drop the boat in and like all these fish piled up around you. And it's right. <laughs> it's challenging, man. Those little guys are, are uh, fast. You th- it only zaps them for like... A half a second, and if you're not on it, like you you just miss them. <laughs> I'm just bad That's at it, right. but it's tough. Uh, but okay, so now you get the information, you take it back to your office. Um, what do you do with it? What are you looking for? Uh, again, let's assume trophy bass. I know it's a little different for every goal, but the theory is the same. So, what do you do with all that stuff, and, and how do you so more, s- more so several. that too? How do you like how do you present it once you do all that stuff? So, walk through all of that,
1: okay. So um, we're looking for several key uh, key indices would be a word, I guess, to describe it. But it, it's the predator-prey to prey relationship. You know, how many bluegill or shellcracker, um, or most people call red or sunfish up there, um, how many of the forage fish, you know, if you've got shad or um, some other forage base, how many? what's the abundance like? So we, do, we track something called catch-per-unit effort. So again, electrofishing has its limitations, but we can track that, and how many of those are we shocking per hour of effort? But then more specifically, what size structure? Specifically on the bluegill, we want to see three to five-inch bluegill. If you see a bunch of little bitty, tiny bluegill around the edges, a lot of people assume, I don't understand why my bass are skinny. I've got tons of those. Well, that's not efficient for that bass to be feeding on a little one-inch bluegill. They mainly need one-third of their body length. So a 14-inch, 15-inch bass needs about a 5-inch bluegill. If you've got some trophy size bass, we may want to look for 5- to 7-inch bluegill. But what you'll usually see is that's limited. If that's limited, it means there's too many bass. Then we'll do what's called a relative weight index on the bass, basically how short and fat is the bass, as opposed to long and skinny. And we'll use that data to then, and several other things, that's, I'll bore you if I go into too more too much detail, but... We look at that and then tell you how many bass should be taken out. What forage should you stock? Um, And then go through a whole gamut of recommendations. Um, If you really want to push the limits, you may want to look at aeration, especially if you already have electricity out there. want to look at a new solar type system. Um, If the habitat is limited, again, that kind of plays into what we're seeing, John, when we see a lot of um, a limited number of bluegill it's too many bass, but also there's no hiding places. So we may come back and recommend putting in some natural cover if you have it or buying some artificial habitat. Um, fish feeders are wonderful. Again, being the goal of trophy bass, basically trophy bass means you have a lot of 3- to 5-inch bluegill, 6-inch bluegill. Um, you don't have a lot of 9-inch bluegill, but you can if you have a fish feeder. So you can still have trophy bass pond and still have really nice bluegill as long as you're doing some supplemental feeding. Um, yeah. What else? And that was yeah, the, it's just that whole gamut of recommendations based on that data and based on your goals.
0: And so, how do you present and that? Budget. I, I know budget
1: has to, budget. Yeah, for
0: sure. So we so,
1: have a, either you know just in a PowerPoint presentation. Um, so there'll be several graphs to look at, um, and then what's really nice—you're probably going to ask me the question on you know long term, but what's really nice is to take some of that data, like catch per unit effort. And relative weight index and in bass because that's cool to look at it once. What's really cool to look at it those over time. Yeah, when you come back out and do a survey next time, now how many bluegill were we catching per hour? We were getting seventy five per hour. Now we're getting one hundred and fifty. Our relative weights went from seventy percent now going to ninety percent. Versus a fisherman maybe out there. So man, I don't I don't know about these biologists, man. I we used to catch a bunch of bass. Now we're just catching a few bass, and there's still not any four pounders. Well, it's headed in the right direction. We couldn't you know, change with so much in a year, but now, you know, you're tracking things, right. Or if you see the opposite, which no wants to see, but unfortunately we do see it. They didn't follow the harvest recommendations. There's still too many bass and the bass are still skinny. Yeah. So tracking that data over time and comparing that report to the previous year's report is
0: really beneficial. Okay. And uh, so all those things that you were mentioning, that was literally the last property I just bought that you came up and did one on that was, you're like spitting it out word for word. I had my bluegill were tiny. My bass were decent, yeah, no trophies. Comment. Yeah, which, which a lot of my clients, they want to know how good the fishing is in a lake when they buy it. And I'm always like, it doesn't matter that much. Like, they're all, there's very few, and, and you can speak on this, there's very few lakes in Illinois around here that are really trophy managed. So most of them you're going to buy, you're going to want to work on, right? They're not, every person you buy a lake from tells you it's the best fishing in the county. It's probably the case in Georgia, it's the case here. But it's like, it's, I'm sure oh, it's yeah. good, but you're going to need to do something because, how often do you do an audit on something and you walk away being like, nope, you're perfect. keep doing what you're doing
1: well and, and and of course you know this whole purpose is you're in the land selling business you're going to hear about that one you know eight pounder I mean there's there's those are there just like the one 180 inch deer that that came by it didn't mean they're all around every corner but you want to try to have more 180 inch deer you want to try to have more four five six yeah. and then you're going to have more eight pounders but so you hear about that one. But I mean, every time you hear about the one, but that's not what you normally are going to catch. And that's what we're trying to get that uh, occurrence up a lot.
0: For sure. And there's a good chance that eight pounder is really like a four pounder.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, that too. Yeah. <laughs>
0: um, okay, so uh, let's wrap up this lake audit um, episode. Tell, tell us how, let's say somebody wants to do it. What do they do now? How do they get in touch with you? Yeah,
1: so the best thing is just the website. It's still uh, social media is there too. If you search, uh, Lake Work on Facebook um, is, our Aquatic Environmental Services is the name of the company. But the best thing is lakework.com. Uh, from there, there will be a contact email. I think it's info at lakework. Or you can even send it to me, greg at lakework.com. That's the best thing because from there, we can ask several questions. We actually send out a pre-lake audit questionnaire um, to get the ball rolling, and then we can give a price. And, and really for... You guys up there, it's dependent on travel. So the more people we line up, everybody wins. Uh, it's a pretty good little ways to drive up the road with a electric fishing boat. But you know, knock on wood, we've been there I think like six straight years. So we should be in that area, um, and we'll base the pricing off of that, and we'll we'll line it up with everyone's schedule. It's really fun to get on, as you know, to hop on the front of the shock boat. We've done it with clients not being there, but we prefer when clients are there and actually see what's going on.
0: So yep. okay, uh,
1: Lakework.com is the easiest way.
0: Cool. Well, I appreciate it, Greg. Uh, We will wrap up this episode. And just uh, so you guys know, Greg is going to be joining us for a few more uh, later on in the series. So we'll hear from him again soon. Greg, we appreciate you joining us, and uh, we'll catch up with you soon. Thanks, Sean. Keep up the good work.